Tomorrow is uh, the World Day of Prayer for Vocations, and um, <clears throat> everybody in life has a vocation. Um, and so we, we reflect upon that fact for the World Day of Vocations. Uh, but in a particular way, Paul VI, Pope Paul VI instituted this day as a prayer of, um, for, for everybody to pray for vocations specifically to the priesthood and to religious life. So for my homily, for my Sunday homily, I'll be kind of speaking about that. Uh, but I'll be doing it by way of referencing uh, the experiences of this one uh, Colombian woman by the name of Gloria Polo. And uh, her experiences were quite phenomenal. She had a near-death experience. And um, she was brought, you know, by the Lord to, to view all manner of mysteries in the, in the cosmos. I mean, heaven and purgatory and hell. And uh, she saw the, uh, the the foulness of her own sins and the life that she was living. And by God's mercy, through the prayers of other people, um, she was she was basically brought back uh, from from the dead, and she was given a second chance essentially. And she spent the rest of her life telling everybody else uh, about her experiences. And uh, I mean, I've spent the I've spent pretty much my entire adult life studying historical questions and the credibility of the Gospels and uh, the credibility of various religions and religious claims. Um, And in my estimate, for what it's worth, her testimony seems very credible. Uh, I say that primarily because um, it was transformative. She lived a life of sin. Now, in many people's estimates, she wasn't necessarily, you know, mafioso or a prostitute or something like that. But she lived a life of a very serious sin. And um, this experience rings true because it changed her. She lives a completely different life right now. And she has profound insight into her own sins of her previous life. You don't get that by accident. I mean, that's a sign that... This is a this is God's uh, entering into her life and um, and touching her. Uh, so this this uh, experiences of this woman Gloria Polo. I'll, I'll speak about it a little bit now. I'll speak about it um, actually to a confirmation retreat I'm going to give this afternoon, and I'm also going to speak about it in my homily. Um, right now, I just like to focus on. There's many lessons we can draw from this woman's life. I'll just focus on her uh, the insights that she gained about the Eucharist. Okay. Our gospel text today is the famous discourse of the Eucharist that Jesus gives in John chapter 6. And uh, what's amazing is that if you, if you look at the gospel of John, it doesn't have fam- uh, Peter's famous confession uh, where he says, where Jesus says, but who do, men, who do men say that I am? Some say you're this, some say you're that, but who do you say you are? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood is not revealed. This is Peter's famous confession. And it's the central high point of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But it doesn't show up in John. But this is it. This is the one in John. It's very interesting, okay? This is Peter's central confession. And it shows up in John chapter 6. So the implication here is that just as important as that central article to the faith is that Jesus is the Son of God, so is the truth of the Eucharist. It's that central. The truth of the Eucharist is so central to Christianity and the gospel that it's equal to the article of faith that proclaims Jesus as the Son of God. Okay, And I think that's basically what the gospels are teaching us 
uh, through their structure, through, implicitly. Uh, so the Eucharist. Gloria Polo, she's a Colombian woman. She gets struck by lightning in 1995. Her and her nephew, she's a dentist. She's actually quite a successful, wealthy woman, high-powered. In fact, I think she's got a Ph.D. So she's a doctor, and uh, she's, a, she's a dental uh, you know, um, medic, really. She's, a, she's really a, a medical doctor. And uh, her and her nephew, who was only 23 at the time, they're entering into this uh, the faculty of dentistry in this big university in Columbia. They both get struck by lightning. Her nephew dies instantaneously. She does, too, in the sense that all her vital signs are gone. Of course, the line between life and death is a little mysterious. If you say she didn't really die, she was just really close, who knows, I don't know. In any event, she had no vital signs whatsoever. Her skin was burned completely off of her right hand, right hand, so it was just bones on her right hand. Her, um, her, her breasts as well were completely like decimated. This flesh on her stomach, gone. Her legs were like coal, she said they were as black as coals, and in some parts of them you could see the bone. That's how powerful the lightning strike was. And in fact, the medics couldn't touch her body because somehow it was still electrified or something for a few minutes. And that, uh, you know, she went to cardiac arrest, no vital signs. They brought her to the hospital. And she sees herself in many of these stories, you know, they have the bottle. It's like they can see their own body on the operating table. Well, that happened to her. And it was like as if from her perspective, her soul was passing through the like the ceiling and the wall of the operating room and she's going up to heaven and again the kind of the famous thing of the tunnel of light and all that you know she experienced that actually so she's going through this tunnel of light and she says uh, this was remarkable and what points to the eucharist is she says that she saw the light of heaven the light of heaven it was totally glorious and she said something very interesting she said the light of heaven is the eucharist Okay, and all of this is, a, there's a lot of symbolism and mystical understandings here, so you can't kind of take this stuff in, in a literal fashion. But my understanding of what that experience was is that essentially the glory of salvation that constitutes heaven is grounded in the Eucharist. So, and then she goes on, and she said that basically she felt like God was embracing her with this incredible love and that she just wished that everybody could experience this, but she was a very sinful woman. And so actually, after this kind of, uh, you know, divine hug of, of light and love that she says, she started to go backwards. So she wasn't going to go into heaven. She just got a taste of what heaven was like, kind of. And then she starts going backwards and she starts spiraling downwards. And she experiences, she kind of sees purgatory as like this, uh, this almost innumerable uh, numbers of these webs of like honeycomb caverns. And all of the different people in these different, like, caverns suffering different um, pains according to their vices and their sins in their life. It's a fascinating, it's about a 40 or 50 page testimony, so there's a lot there. It's very fascinating what she sees and experiences, and she sees family members, and she gets gains insight into her life growing up with her father, and how her father really kind of led her down a bad path by his bad example, and how her mother was a woman of prayer, and it was her prayers that were pretty much the only thing that was keeping the family together, so forth and so on. She has insights about how she moved from poverty to wealth because she grew up in a very poor household, uh, but then by the time she was 13 or 14, she began to despise poor people and she wanted to emulate the people that were, that were wearing the pretty dresses and that were all, you know, uh, doing the, the hip and the cool things and driving around in, in convertibles, uh, 
and and drinking and boozing and whatnot. So she kind of gains insight in all these different things, and then uh, she's spiraling downwards towards hell, and she starts screaming, I don't deserve this! I'm a good person! What's going on? And like she basically almost kind of comes to a halt. She hears this voice, and it's basically the voice of God, saying, You're a good person? Tell me the Ten Commandments. And she's struggling to even remember anything about the Ten Commandments. She can't even remember a single one. And so she says, love God with all your heart, which is not of the Ten Commandments, but it's pretty good, okay? It's the first commandment. And uh, so then the voice says, okay, so have you done that? And she says, yes, I've, I've... And then she starts saying, I, I gave free menace, uh, dentistry work to these poor people. And the, the voice says, okay... But what about this? And then basically her entire life flashes before her. She sees that she encouraged people to get an abortion. She encouraged women to divorce their husbands. She voted for uh, pro-choice politicians. Uh, And she gets into these kind of real subtle things about her life. She she was making fun of priests. Okay. Uh, She inadvertently destroyed this one community by criticizing this priest and basically slandering him. And then it really kind of dissolved this one local parish. Uh, she um, uh, basically started to make fun of some of the doctrines of the Catholic Church, these sorts of things. So in the midst of all of that, she's kind of really, the Lord is bringing her through this huge kind of ordeal of her facing the reality of her sins of her life. And it's really breaking her down. And um, in the midst of that, she, she learns about the Eucharist. And... She she says that the priesthood is so precious, even if the priest is a bad guy. You know, the priests, their personal holiness can vary greatly from one priest to another. But she says it's about the sacrament of the priesthood because of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is keeping the world running right now, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The world depends on the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And it doesn't matter how many Catholics come and fall asleep during the Mass. The effects of the Mass are so powerful because it's a representation of Christ's own sacrifice on Calvary. And it's the power of that grace in the Eucharist that's keeping the world afloat. And um, she says, you know, you need to pray for priests. Priests, just by virtue of holy orders, are a gift to the local community, and then she had a very interesting insight, which I thought was pretty profound. She says, and we believe as Catholics that non-Catholic Christians can possibly uh, be be saved and go to heaven. And so she gained insight into that. She said that on the deathbed of everybody, Catholic or not Catholic, God essentially comes to them. And if that person was heading on the path of salvation, the soul is brought to the Mass, and the soul of the non-Catholic Christian essentially receives like a spiritual communion on their deathbed and enters into heaven. And so she says, that's how you can interpret the passage from John chapter 6, which we were just reading, unless you eat the flesh and blood, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. And uh, she says that these, these some non-Catholic Christians who even would make fun of the Eucharist are saved by the Eucharist and spend time in purgatory 
and they're purified through the power of the Eucharist and the Mass, and they get into heaven, so ironically. And that shows you the incredible love of Jesus for mankind displayed in the Eucharist. It's like uh, love is not loved. Jesus has given us his very self in the Eucharist, and we despise it, we ignore it, we don't genuflect before the Eucharist, uh, we say, well, it's not important enough to really do anything about, there's bad, there's, you know, unworthy communions left and right. All of this kind of stuff goes on, but yet Jesus gives himself to us. You've got non-Catholic Christians making fun of the idea, of, of the, the very idea of the Eucharist, and yet Jesus gives himself and saves us through the very thing that we do not fully appreciate. So this woman's testimony is wonderful because it allows us to come into a deeper appreciation of something that we might take for granted. My brothers and sisters, let's not take for granted uh, the power, the beauty, and the wonder of the Holy Eucharist.